We are learning the Sichalili Nishmas Rabbi Yisab Ben Yomin Ben Rabbanasha Kaltman. Parshas Vayishlach begins with Yaakov preparing to meet his brother Esav after many years and after parting as enemies. Yaakov sends messengers to inform Esav of his approach and to tell him he comes in peace and in love. When those messengers return, they inform Yaakov that Esav too is coming towards him, and that he has an army of 400 men with him. This information frightens Yaakov and spurs him on to dividing his family and possessions into two camps, saying, the Posuk Posuk Tes, verse 9, Paraklamet Beis, chapter 32, reads, Vayoymer, and he, Yaakov, said, Im If Esav attacks one camp, then the remaining camp will escape. These last words in the Posuk, their literal meaning, seem self-explanatory. Yet Rashi highlights the words, the remaining camp will escape, and gives an explanation saying that their escape will be against Esav's will. And it means that Yaakov will have to wage war with Esav. Rashi then tells us that Yaakov prepared to meet Esav three ways with gifts, with prayer, and he prepared for war. Commentaries on Rashi explain why Rashi explains that which seems so clear, that if they divide into two camps, one can escape if the other is attacked. And the reason that Mepharshim give is that the word vahoya presents a problem. Vahoya sounds definitive, as in, if one camp is attacked, the other will definitively or definitely escape. But it's not a sure thing that dividing them into two camps will mean that the one will escape and be saved if the other is attacked. It might be that there are better odds of this, but it's not a sure thing. So perhaps Yaakov should have said, V'ulai, maybe, then the other camp will escape. And therefore Rashi explains Vahoya as Yaakov saying, if one camp is attacked, I'll be forced to fight and the other camp will definitely escape safely. The challenge with this explanation is that we are suggesting that Bahaya means that for sure the other camp will safely escape. And now we said that it's definitive because Rashi tells us that Yaakov will go to war against Esav. But how is that really more definitive? It's just a better chance at escape, but again, not a sure thing. Now turning to the explanation of Rashi, that Balkarche, one camp, would escape against Esav's will. And the beginning of Rashi's explanation of the remaining camp would escape to safety. We must ask, for who is it important that this would be against Esav's will? Why do we need to know Baal Kirche? And that he would be forced to fight with Yaakov. Why does Rashi even mention this? The only really important issue here is that through going to war against Esav, the second camp will escape escape to safety. Regarding Yaakov's surety, the Rambam exp Ramban explains that Yaakov was in fact sure that the other camp would escape to safety because he knew that his descendants would never fall completely into Esav's hands. And that must mean then that one camp at least would survive. But the Ramban's explanation cannot be learned in conjunction with Rashi's explanation because the assurity that Yaakov had that the Ramban teaches doesn't speak to Yaakov going to war against Esav 
which is Rashi's premise. At a stretch, there is one conjunctive answer we can suggest, which is that with the words al against his will, Rashi doesn't intend to teach that the safety of the second camp is a definite thing. Rather, he's explaining only how they will escape and be saved, that this is going to happen in this way, despite what Esav wants, al because Yaakov will go to war with Esav. Accordingly, and in addition to the fact that one camp's survival is certainly al not what Esav wants, and we can understand the words al this way, how does Rashi, based on the literal words of the Pasuk that Yaakov find that Yaakov intends to go to war with Esav. Now this question is actually a new one. Before we understood that the word Vahoya was about emphasizing Yaakov's certainty that the remaining camp would escape to safety. Why? Because he would go to war with Esav, and we questioned that certainty, and which words in Pshat tell us this. But here it seems that Rashi is giving us a new explanation on Pshat, that the Pasuk is actually telling us that Yaakov will go to war, and so the Baal Karchai is that Vahoya Machane Hanisha Lepleita, that the remaining camp will escape to safety. But where in Pshat does Rashi see this? Now let's turn to the latter part of the same Rashi under the same Divrei Hamaschal, the words from the verse, Vahoya Hamachana Hanisha Lepleita, and the second camp will escape safely. And Rashi tells us, Hiskinatzma, Yaakov prepared himself, Lishleisha Dvarim, in three ways, with three things, the Dairan, Lutfila, Olamilchama, with gifts and with prayer and with war. Rashi quotes the sources for each of these in Periklamid Beis. In chapter 32, we learn that Yaakov sent gifts ahead of his arrival to Esav. Again, in, in Periklamid Beis, the verse tells us that Yaakov prayed to the God of his father Avraham and his father Yitzchak. And the source that Rashi gives for preparing for war are the words of Hamachana Hanisha Lepleita and the remaining camp will escape safely. There are a few things here that are really difficult to understand. First of all, why does Rashi bring all three sources if in fact the only explanation that Rashi is referencing here or is focusing on is Yaakov preparing himself for war? And we know that he prepared himself with prayer and with gifts as it's clearly stated so in the actual psukim that follow which Rashi quotes. Perhaps we would suggest that as this verse tells us that Yaakov was prepared to go to war, it's important to know that he took other steps as well and that war wasn't his first option, that he prepared himself with gifts and with prayer. But what connection then does this have to do with the fact that the remaining camp would survive safely against Esav's will because Yaakov would go to war, which is Rashi's premise for explaining Vahoya HaMachana HaNishar the Plata. More so if indeed Rashi has reason to detail this, that in addition to preparing for war, Yaakov took other steps. Why mention war again at all? We started with this premise to begin with. Why didn't Rashi just say, and Yaakov also prepared gifts and with prayer? The Ram, Rebelio Mizrahi, a Talmudist and Pesach of the 1400s, who wrote broadly on Rashi, teaches that with this detailed continuation of Rashi, that Yaakov prepared himself with three things and the sources, Rashi is bringing proof that Vahoya Hamachana Hasheris the Plata in fact 
means that against Esav's will, I will go to war with him. As Chazal say, and it's brought down in the Medrash Tanchoma, that Yaakov prepared himself in three ways to meet Esav. The other two are clearly quoted in the verses, and going to war is not. So this is in fact where the Torah tells us, says the Ram, that Yaakov will go to battle with Esav in these very words. Only Rashi does not tell us that Yaakov prepared for battle, quoting and basing it on a Maimar Chazal. Actually, the literal intention in Rashi's words is that once we know that that Yaakov will fight with Esav, we understand that the Pshat is telling us that Yaakov got ready for Esav in three ways, including preparing for war. There's more clarification required in the latter explanation that Yaakov prepared himself in three ways. In bringing these three verses quoted in Torah, supporting the statement, Rashi deviates from the order in which these three things are actually written in Torah. There are psukim and medrash which bring proof for Yaakov's gifts and proof for Yaakov's prayer and proof for Yaakov going to war. For prayer, the medrash brings a verse quoting Yaakov who said, Save me, please, from the hand of my brother. Regarding gifts, the Medrash quotes the verse, Say your servant Yaakov sent gifts, is what Yaakov instructed the messengers. And regarding war, the Medrash quotes the verse that tells us that Yaakov placed the maidservants and their children first, Leah and hers after, and Rachel and Yosef last, and he went on ahead to greet Esav, bowing low to the ground until he was near his brother. Other Midrashim quote other verses to support these three things that Yaakov did to prepare to meet Esav. Why then does Rashi, who quotes the verse regarding the gifts Yaakov prepared, really describe Yaakov preparing gifts, not do the same for prayer and for preparing for war? The verse Rashi quotes for prayer, God of my father Avram and of my father Yitzchak isn't actually about Yaakov implementing prayer, nor is the verse Rashi quotes about war, and the remaining camp will escape, actually about Yaakov implementing a battle against Esav. If Rashi just wanted to tell us about Yaakov's plans and intentions regarding the gift, then Rashi could have quoted in Perak Lamed Beis, verse 14 in chapter 32, that Yaakov selected from what was at hand presents for his brother Esav. All three quotes then would have been in consonance with one another. Furthermore, using the verse, Rashi has already told us that it means Yaakov will go to war with Esav. So why repeat the verse when telling us that Yaakov prepared for war? There are other verses Rashi could have brought. And finally, why does Rashi say Yaakov hiskin, to say that Yaakov prepared himself? Commonly, the word heichin would seem more accurate here. Yet, Rashi uses the word hiskin, readied himself, which seems to indicate a deeper method or a deeper reality to preparation. To explain all of this, looking at the verses following the return of the messengers who brought back word that Esav was coming with 400 men, it seems that Yaakov had first, first then prepared for war, then he prayed, and then he prepared a gift for Esav. This can't be right, though. When a Jew hears that someone is coming to attack him, 
He first turns to God in prayer, and then to natural means, preparing for war, preparing gifts to appease. How can we possibly suggest that Yaakov, Yaakov Avinu, particularly, first readied himself for war, and only after that he prayed? We must conclude then that Yaakov, of course, when hearing that Esav was coming with an army of men, and Pasuk Ches, verse 8 says, And Yaakov was very afraid, and he divided his people and his flocks, and said, If Esav comes upon one camp and attacks, the other will escape. Is actually, this is an introduction, so to speak, and a clarification for his prayer. The events happened thus. Yaakov heard the report that Esav was coming towards him, accompanied by 400 men. He was very frightened, and in his anxiety he divided the people with him, and the flocks and the herds and the camels, into two camps. And we can now understand his prayer and why he was praying. And then the next day, when Yaakov saw, Vihine Esav ba, arba ish, Esav coming with those 400 men, he actually divided the children and the mothers, but not into camp, and their mothers, but not into camps. So the first time he divided them wasn't like the second time he divided them. Dividing them the first time was with the explicit intention that if Esav were to come, they would be in two camps and one would certainly escape to safety. The second time was an encampment of his wives and children, but he set them in an order in that encampment. And Rashi explains, saying that despite himself, Esav will not be able to harm them. The first division was a camp, flocks and herd and ca- herds and camels, shepherds, etc. And the the remaining camp was his family, wife and children, and their staff. Only after this, Vayichatz, this division of the second camp, could Yaakov pray and say Hashem, whereas you promised this promise to return to your homeland, and I will deal, you said, Hashem bountifully with you. And I am sure that one camp will remain safe. Rashi supports Yaakov's surety that he will be victorious against Esav and gives it proof when he says, Yaakov prepared three things. Every action Yaakov took was to save them. And he did it in a way of not preparing for it, but establishing the reality of it. When a person prepares himself to do something or a number of things, it's common to use the expression heichin atzmai, but the expression hiskin atzmai that Rashi uses indicates a particular manner in which one prepares oneself. Yaakov repaired himself, so to speak, to do what was required of him. He did just so. The gifts, the prayer, and the preparation for war were done with conscious intention and awareness of self and growth. And so Rashi quotes, Regarding preparing for war, the Pasuk says, Vayira, he was fearful. Vayitzarloi, he was anxious. He needed to look inside and prepare and repair himself. Regarding the gifts, Yaakov was angry that he needed to do this, but he checked himself and did what was necessary. And so too regarding prayer. Though Yaakov was fearful if he had ruined what Hashem had promised him with sin, he did the work and repaired himself and prayed for the good Hashem would send him. Now we can understand the reason Rashi brings the verses that he does as indication not to the way Yaakov prepared for these three things, but for the way he prepared himself. 
regarding the gifts, the pasuk that Rashi brings, the gift was sent ahead before him from in front of his face. Though Yaakov was angered about this, having to send these gifts, he readied himself and did as was needed of himself of him, excuse me. Regarding prayer, Rashi quotes Alekea Viavram, recalling the promise that Hashem made to the Avais. And so too regarding Yaakov preparing for war with a verse Vahaya Hamachana Anisha it's absolute and clear that the camp of the family must be saved again according to Hashem's promise. And Rashi mentions war last because preparing himself to go to war to possibly kill others was the hardest preparation. What we have yet to understand is why Rashi mentions Yaakov preparing gifts before prayer. It seems prayer came first. In fact, though, he actually sent the gifts after he prayed. The essence of the idea of sending a gift to find favor in Esav's eyes was Yaakov's earliest intention when he sent the messengers to Esav, as we learn at the beginning of the Parsha. So while indeed prayer would precede the gifts, Yaakov kept speaking and thinking of Esav as his brother with love until he realized he was approaching with an army and then he prayed. Let's address another question. Why does Rashi say Yaakov prepared with three things? Why not he prepared himself with gifts, prayer, and war? And once the messengers, going back to the issue of Yaakov preparing gifts before prayer, or the intention of gifts that came before prayer, once the messengers informed Yaakov that Esav was behaving like Esav and not like a brother, the three things that Yaakov had to do were done all simultaneously. Regarding Esav himself, Yaakov knew he could send the gift and appease him, as Rivka had sent word for Yaakov to return home. How could she have done so if Esav was still angry at Yaakov? So Yaakov understood that a gift could appease Esav because the heat of his anger, the heat of his hatred, was calmed. But as far as Yaakov was concerned, his worry was that perhaps he was no longer worthy and that Esav's hate could be a danger to him, much like what happened to Light, who lived in Steim, which was evil, and Light was thus taken captive. And so Yaakov needed a prayer in, to his god of his to the god of his fathers, so he would have the merit of his fathers. Prayer can manifest in two outcomes, the way Hashem saved Yaakov from Lavan in a miraculous way, or as Hashem saved Light through a war which Avraham had to wage to save him. Yaakov too had to prepare himself for a war. Looking at this Rashi through the lens of Chassidus, we realize that Yaakov prepared himself for all three things simultaneously. This is what Rashi intends to teach with the words, Hiskin He readied himself, worked on himself for three things, to do these three things in conjunction with one another, to send a gift, to pray, and to prepare to do battle. All three things simultaneously actually go against human nature and require real self-work and change. Each one of these are inherently different to the other. A gift is an act of kindness and closeness. War is an act of distance and might. And these are both between man and his fellow. Prayer is a request for mercy from above 
and ignores all that happens below. So for all three to take place simultaneously and to be present in all three simultaneously requires one to really do the work and change his basic nature. Why indeed, though, did Yaakov need to make this effort? Why the three simultaneously? In a manuscript from the Tzemach Tzedek, an explanation is given on the verse in Bratius that tells us that Yaakov arrived at the well in Haran and all the shepherds brought their flocks to gather there. All the flocks gathered there. And the explanation is given by a parable of an actual war. To be victorious and to assure victory, one side must set three flanks of its army against one enemy flank and then repeat this maneuver again. This is the tactic to employ in one's divine service as well. To win a battle against a negative inclination, one must awaken all three midas, Ava, Yura, and Rachamim, on the side of holiness, love, fear, and mercy, setting them against one measure of impurity and thereby be victorious over it. That's the idea of all the herds gathering, the Ahava, the Yura, and the Rachamim of holiness. Every Jew fights this battle. Certainly it's a battle that we fight collectively in exile. But there are different forms of exile. There's Golis Yishmal and there's Golis Edom, each with unique characteristics. But the way to overcome in whichever Golis is to gather the three characteristics together in holiness. Our strength in this divine service comes from our forefathers' actions. Yaakov brought these three attributes together in fighting both levels of exile. In preparation for living in the house of Lavan, a reference to the exile of Bavel, Yaakov stood at the well in Haran, and all the flocks gathered there. He gathered this chesed, his givura, and his teferis. And again, in facing Esav, Yaakov gathered the three attributes of holiness, chesed, the gifts, givura, war, and teferis, or rachamim, prayer. All of this teaches us a lesson for every Jew's divine service. When a Jewish child must be saved from the educational clutches of an Esav-like system, effort is required to the extent that one must step out of one's spiritual comfort zone and really change oneself to make change. Logic, reason, and calculated planning will not assure success against the negativity of Esav and the ability to save those who need saving. It's only a service without calculation gathering all of one's efforts and strength that one can successfully overwhelm the ace of in our midst until we will fulfill the dictum the olumashim vahartsein lishpaitas har asav vahisala shem hamlucha the saviors will ascend hartsein judge and judge the mountain of asav nashem shall have the kingdom with the coming of mashiach bimhera viamenu mamash